Before we begin our Torah study this morning, let's pray together. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam asher kidshenu b'mitzvatav etzivanu la'asok b'divrei Torah. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. This week's Torah portion is a wonderful time to do a special kind of study where we look at the Torah uh, and we look carefully and we notice some unusual, even wild ideas about the Lord. And it's a great time to think about the question, where is Yeshua in the Torah? And we're going to address that today um, when we start in Numbers 12 verse 1 so you can get ready for that because there's a passage that tells us that the god of truth the god of israel and his chosen people israel um we've we've got some um real challenges the scripture don't the scriptures don't idealize us or gloss over all of our difficulties they don't present a slick spiffed up spin doctor's version that makes everything look good because it's not always pretty but the torah portion this week also talks about a moment when moses is stressed out the children of israel are are going through great difficulties they're unhappy they wish their life were easier they're just struggling and complaining and so forth and there's a moment when when moses gathers 70 leaders around him and the spirit of god comes to rest on those leaders it's a wonderful example of how god can work uh, to spread out responsibility and, and share responsibility. And so with this in mind, I want to take a moment to share with you about two additional elders who we're adding to our elders team. Brian Stone has been an elder. You know him and Fran, his wife and their family. Brian has been serving in many ways for years. He's been part of the new building committee and the design team. Back in 2010, 2012, you worked closely with Rebbitz and Sandy to make our new building a reality. And plus, he's part of our teaching team and in the Cantors and Torah Service Ministry. And, and together, we, we agree it's, it's good to mention to you the two new elders today who we want to pray over soon when we're back together. But we thought today is a good day to let you know that Cantor Aaron Jacobs and Steve Abush are being added to our elders team. Cantor Aaron is well known for his leadership of one of our visible and very significant ministries, the Cantors and the Torah Service Ministry. He's also part of the teaching team. He's had a distinguished career in the Navy and together with his wife, Chonghua, most of you uh, call her Kim. I like her original name, Chonghua, as well. Um, they've really helped build Beth Israel during this season. They're active in the renewal phase that we're going through as we're transitioning into this time of renewal and refreshment of the congregation and all of our ministries. And uh, because of his great experience in the Navy, uh, I always like to call him Captain My Captain. And he's a wonderful addition to our elders team and, and uh, a unique friend and leader. Steve Abush is also well known together with his wife Tracy for their leadership of one of our significant ministries 
at the Shalom Center, the Oneg Ministry, the, the Hospitality Ministry, many special events um, take place in the Shalom Center. And this ministry is really foundational for a Messianic congregation to have hospitality well organized and structured and, and to have it um, to have a place where we can gather together after services or for special events. Uh, we're, we're really grateful for the A. Bushes. Sandy and I met the A. Bushes at a Messiah conference and uh, they began a move to Jacksonville from Pennsylvania, if I remember correctly, in 2008. And their son and Tracy's parents have since joined them and moved here. And, and Steve is one of those steady, insightful leaders who I think is so useful to the congregation. He's a wonderful addition to our elders team. And the A. Bushes have so much to offer during this renewal phase and beyond. They are definitely Kadima people. Kadima is Hebrew for forward. They're the kind of people who love to say Kadima, let's go forward and, and you can count on me and count me in. They are very, uh, very committed members of this congregation. So let's take a moment and, and, and pray just a word of thanks. And later on in uh, the weeks to come, we'll have a organized time to pray over them and to welcome them and to celebrate them being added to the elders team. And we'll have even a special own egg, I think. Lord, we thank you for our elders. We thank you for their gifts and their talents, for their character, Lord, and their commitment, and for their unique perspectives and personalities as they serve on our eldership team, Lord. We love that diversity. It really helps us. In Yeshua's name, amen. So um, th thank you, everyone, for, for uh, that. It's sort of a break in the teaching, but I thought it was appropriate to add at that moment. And we're going to continue with our study in Numbers 12, verse 1. So you can turn there or flip there or however you get to it. It's a great uh, thing to be looking at the scriptures and searching the scriptures, reading the scriptures along with us as we do. Of course, we follow um, our Messianic Bible reading plan, and that is something that integrates the traditional readings that are taking place in synagogues all over the world from the Torah and the Haftor, and supplements that with uh, readings from the Brita Chadashah. And we have found that it's possible to, to use this format and this structure to, to hear from the Lord and to focus on things in a really timely way for us. Numbers chapter 12, verse 1. Let me read. Miriam and Aaron, this is the older sister and the older brother of Moses, began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite or Ethiopian wife, for he had married a Cushite or an Ethiopian. And uh, this is an indication of a racial tension, some ugly talk as well from the siblings. The, the siblings are, are speaking against Moses and they're talking against his wife. And um, it's understood, I think, that uh, Moses' wife has um, dark skin. So we've got some early racial tension 
that's going on. You could also say it's ethnic tension. She's coming from a different ethnic group than Israel, but she's being brought together. It's a very interesting moment. Verse 2. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? They asked, hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. Now, let's take a moment because I think it's a lot of fun. and It's very interesting to just uh, think about the wild ideas that are embedded in this verse that we just read. And, and here's the first one. It's that God speaks through people. That's what they're talking about. The Lord speaks through Moses only? No, he speaks through us also. So that's one idea. And then there's another idea that I didn't mention last night, but I want to bring up. And that is that Miriam and Aaron, um, older sister, older brother, are saying, God doesn't only speak through Moses, he speaks through them. So they are saying together, Aaron, who's called to be the high priest, and Miriam, who is elsewhere called the prophetess, they are um, talking about this way that God reveals himself by talking through people is not unique to Moses, but here's something I want you to pay attention to. They're also declaring that God can speak through a woman, Miriam, and God can speak through a man as well. That's an interesting idea that's often overlooked, neglected, or never even noticed. And I want to just bring that out because that's embedded in this statement. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he also spoken through us? So God speaks through people, he speaks through men, he speaks through women. And then the second wild idea is the Lord hears people speak. So what makes all this wild or what makes it unusual or what makes it really significant? That's, that's the question that I'm exploring. It's, it's this, Torah is telling us that God is not only a spiritual being. He's not only this abstraction or force or something like that. He has personhood and he has, um, he has an ability to communicate. He can speak and he can listen. Torah is telling us that God can make himself present and active in our physical world. He can, he can speak through words. He can hear people's words. Sounds and words are um, not just energy, but they work through physical dimension as well. The vibrations that come from our vocal box and out of our mouth uh, become our voice. The, the sound waves travel through the air, not just through some vacuum, but through the air. And they come to the ears and the ears vibrate. There's this whole mechanism in the ears that is physical that that transfers that sound into the brain where hearing also is processed and and everything tells us that not only can we live in this world that's physical and spiritual 
but God can be present in this same world. He is not just out there, he's also here with us. And this is wild. It's, it's an idea that maybe you take for granted, but it is not always accepted by all societies or all periods of history or all religions or even all people. It's not even noticed sometimes when people are reading the scriptures that this is part of the teaching of the scriptures. Let's go to verse three. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. And of course, what's funny is Moses is the one who is traditionally understood to be the writer of the five books of Moses, the Torah, which we're reading from right now. So in a, in a sense, Moses is writing these words about himself that he was very humble. You know, he's the most humble man. So it, it challenges perhaps our view of humility. Humility is not weakness. It's a perspective that seeks the good of others and uses one's own strength for the good of others, even when there's conflict. Humility, if you read um, the earlier portions of this week's Torah portion and some of the surrounding readings in Numbers, you'll, you'll recognize that humility and meekness don't mean that we just talk in soft voices and we're always gentle and we never, um, we never become forceful. Sometimes it's necessary to be forceful, but the forcefulness of humility is never meant to destroy. It's meant to fix. It's meant to do good. Sometimes you've got to be strong, not weak, in order to do good in a humble way. Verse 4, at once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. And so the three of them went out. Now let's think about that. The Lord spoke in such a way that three different people heard the same words, understood them and acted upon them as if they were an instruction to them, which they needed to follow. Come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. So the, some people have this idea that maybe Moses heard the word of the Lord and it was like a supernatural uh, impression or feeling or something like that. Um, but here's something that's almost natural sounding. The Lord says to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, it's, it's like a father speaking to his three children, three children. And as we're coming to Father's Day tomorrow, that's a good way of looking at it. The Lord says, you come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. Uh, every father who's, who's got more than one child has recognized that there are times when children have conflict and you've got you've to stop them. It's like, stop, come, come, all of you. I want to talk to you. I want to deal with you. And so all three of them went out. So here we are where three different people, they're all siblings, Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. They all hear the Lord speaking in the same way with the same words and they understand them and they do the same thing. Verse five, this also is provocative. And to me, one of the most fun verses in the whole scripture, definitely one of the most 
fun in the Torah. And one of the ones that that turns a lot of religious ideas and philosophical ideas uh, on their head or on their ear or upside down, whatever, and, and even challenges a lot of rabbinic Judaism and, and uh, modern Judaism in the way that it thinks. Verse 5, then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud, and he stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. So this is interesting because it says the Lord came down and then he stands at a particular place and he summons, he speaks in a commanding way. This time Aaron and Miriam are the ones who are summoned, not Moses, just these two. But but let's look at this. The Lord comes down and, and that implies that the Lord wasn't there, but he came down and he stood at a particular place at the entrance to the tent. Now, this evokes to me the experience that Abraham had when he was at the entrance to the tent and he was standing there and the Lord came to him and they stood together and interacted together. And that was a moment that really was life-changing and history-changing for Aaron, I mean, for um, Abraham and then for Sarah, and then for the whole world as the Lord used this moment of engagement in the physical world of Abraham and Abraham's hospitality ministry to the Lord. The Lord used that to announce that there would be um, the birth of a covenant son to Sarah and to Abraham uh, within the year. So very interesting to me. And also it, it as a historical event and as a moment in the scriptures has often been recognized as, um, as a um, model for us of Abraham's hospitality and how significant hospitality ministry is, how much happens because of hospitality. The inhospitable may never experience all the benefits uh, that God has for them, all the promises he has without that hospitality. And that's one of the reasons why we consider the hospitality ministry, the Shalom Center, the Onegs there, and so forth, to be really spiritual and really significant, foundational for a Messianic congregation, for a Jewish community, for any spiritual community, but especially for a New Covenant community that wants to practice hospitality together. The Lord comes down, he stands there at the entrance to the tent, and he's being physically present in the world. And he's at a particular place. Now, this also tells us something that's interesting about the Lord. The Lord can be physically present somewhere and still be the Lord of heaven who can be everywhere. So our God has this capacity. It, it's one of the reasons why God reveals himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because one God, Echad, can manifest himself in more than one way at the same time. He doesn't reduce himself and limit himself to manifesting and being present in one way. He can be present in many ways in many different places simultaneously. 
He can be present in you and he can be impre- he can be present in your spouse and in your children. He can be present in other people. He can be present in me, in, in Rebbitz and Sandy. He can be present in all of us, but not just us. He can be present across the globe. He can be present in heaven simultaneously. Our God can be in this world in particular places at particular times, in real moments in time and space, but he can also be in the heavenly realm simultaneously. This is what's amazing about our God. Let's continue. When the two of them stepped forward, that's Aaron and Miriam, they heard the summons and they responded. They didn't ignore it. They responded immediately. And verse six, and the Lord said, listen to my words. So again, I just want to point out both of them here, they step forward and they're both told to listen up. And this is what the Lord said to them. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams, visions and dreams. That's what he's talking about there. Verse seven, but this is not true of my servant Moses. He's faithful in all my house. And with him, I speak face to face, clearly, not in riddles. And I want to underline this. He sees, Moses sees the form of the Lord. Why then, Miriam and Aaron, were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? If the Lord reveals himself in this fashion to Moses and he has such regard, the Lord has such regard for Moses. Why would his siblings who are also leaders and they're also anointed people, why would they speak against my servant Moses? It's a real challenge. It's, um, it's how the Lord is telling Aaron and telling Miriam they need they need a wake up. They need to understand how serious the issues are. And God is saying that Moses has a relationship with the Lord that's different. The Lord has a different relationship with Moses than he does with Miriam and with Aaron, the form of the Lord. Moses sees the form of the Lord. Now, the form of the Lord, the Lord, is is uh, Hebrew. That means, uh, let's see, the the Hebrew in one form is uh, tumunat. In uh, another way, that the word can be expressed is tumunah. So, a couple of variations on that. But the form of the Lord means a physical form or it can also mean a representation, but the physical form. So what the Lord is saying is Moses sees the physicality of the Lord. And why weren't you afraid knowing that? In to understand this, this idea of the form of the Lord is really useful for us and, and especially useful 
for anyone with uh, a modern Jewish background or experience because this idea is often ignored, glossed over, explained away, or not taken simply and seriously. For Messianic Jews and for Messianic believers of every kind, it's important for us to recognize that here in Torah, there is a declaration that God does have physicality. He does have a physical form and we need to grasp that. And whether you've experienced it fully or not, or, or thought about it deeply, it is important to understand that what's being revealed to us here in Torah is foundational for what would later be revealed through Messiah Yeshua. It's not in contradiction. It's not exceptional. It's, um, it, it's not unusual. It's real that the Torah and the Hebrew scriptures, the Tanakh, are the word of God that can make people wise and understand the salvation of God through Messiah Yeshua. This is foundational for our understanding. It's important for us to grasp it, to notice it and pay attention to it, and then to develop a deeper and deeper understanding of, of, of this. God has form. Now, he also can be purely spiritual. We get that. And Aaron and Miriam experienced the Lord uh, with less physicality, but still God in the time-space world speaking, hearing, and so forth. Exodus 20, verse 4, gives us an understanding of this word, tamunah. Um, you shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness or any form of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. Uh, don't make a form to worship. And there's a reason for that. It is this, God has a form, so don't make another form. God has his own form and he has control over it. Don't make your own physical representations and then worship them. Don't make statues of the Lord. Don't make um, sculptures of the Lord. Don't make substitutes. Don't make uh, something that has physicality in order to worship it. There is a temptation to do it. Don't do it. God has a form. He controls that. We don't. Don't try to make something that can be a substitute that you then worship because it can become an idol. God has a form. Tamunah. God reveals this in the Torah. That's what I want you to see. And it's useful for us because we can build our theology uh, around such details. We can, we can use them, if we're careful, we can use them to build our theological understanding. And even if the prophets did not see, even if the prophets did not see the form of the Lord, um, but they had dreams and visions. Moses did see the form of the Lord. Now, a lot of modern Judaism, 
is based on some philosophical and religious ideas that would not agree with this passage that we're studying today in Numbers, because they would think that God is without form. It's, in, it's uh, part of the teachings of Maimonides, the great Jewish uh, philosopher who's had a profound influence on modern Jewish thinking. But he was influenced by um, Greek philosophical ideas about the beauty of abstract form, not physical, physical forms, but he was also alive during um, an Islamic rule over the, uh, the south of France and over uh, Spain. And so he grew up in an era when the um, philosophical ideas of Islam, that God has no form at all, um, they were influential. And those plus the Greek ideas merged together into what has become a often accepted modern Jewish thought that God is without form um, and has no physicality at all. Let's go to Deuteronomy 4.12. Then the Lord spoke to you from the midst of the fire and you heard the sound of words, but you saw no form, no temunah. You only heard a voice or a sound. So it can be common, it can be normal, it can be the most uh, acceptable and familiar type of experience during that era that people would hear the word of the Lord, but they wouldn't see his form. But Moses saw his form. Not all the time, not every time, and not in every way. Not at every moment. God decides when and how and so forth. Moses doesn't decide that. God decides that. God has a form. He reveals as he chooses, not as how people choose. You don't uh, say a magic prayer and God comes in a form because you want him to. God is uh, wild. He's uncontrolled by humans. He will do uh, according to his sovereign will and his goodness, what he chooses to do, when and how he chooses to do it. Now, let's see how this idea connects to the Brita Harasha. We'll go first to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. Let this mind be in you, in you, which was also in Messiah Yeshua. In other words, think like this. Messiah Yeshua, verse 6, who existing in the form of God, do you see it? The form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant being made in human likeness. So here we have Yeshua, who exists in the form of God. So when Moses sees Yeshua, he's in his time in his era he's he's seeing yeshua in the form of god and then at a later time yeshua manifests himself emptying himself taking the form of a servant being made in human likeness so the form of god in the form of humanity converge and are unified in yeshua it's a interesting idea and worth exploring and thinking about. It helps you understand um, the, 
the theological reality of one God, one God, one God, not three gods, one God who manifests himself in ways that he wants us to recognize as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Not three gods, not three different gods. Um, even person doesn't capture it in modern English. Persona is one way of putting it. Face is another way of putting it. But without trying to use modern categories or terminology, um, it's useful just to recognize that God, the God of Israel, has form. He is able to take on physicality. He's able to enter the time-space world that we live in. And he is able to take on human body and a human form and still be the Lord. Now let's go to chapter 9 of Luke because this is an interesting passage that um, sort of wraps up some, some ideas uh, that I think are fascinating. About eight days, this is Luke 9, verse 28, about eight days after Yeshua said this, he took Peter, John, and James, or Yaakov, Jacob, with him, and they went up onto a mountain to pray, verse 29, and as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Yeshua. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw Yeshua's glory and the two men standing with him. And as the men were leaving Yeshua, Peter said to him, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let's put up three Sukkot, three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And Parenthetically, it says he didn't even know what he was saying. Now, I, I want to thank Brian Stone, um, our elder and, and one of our, um, part of our teaching ministry and, and other ministries at the congregation. He recognized something here that, um, that really was eye-opening for me. This is the moment when Moses sets his feet down in the promised land. He'd not entered before. You remember that Moses led the children of Israel to, out of Egypt, through the wilderness, to the promised land, but the Lord did not allow him to go into the promised land. And he died without leading the children of Israel in. He died at the edge. And Brian pointed out, well, here is how God fixes everything up in a, the most marvelous way. Yeshua's in the promised land. Moses is there. Elijah's there. They're all together. It's the, uh, it's the moment of great satisfaction for Moses. And Moses sees Yeshua glorified. He sees God's form and the human form of God converge in all of this, you know, it's beyond words. It's hard to describe. Um, but Moses has this experience and it builds upon the experience that we were reading about in numbers and other experiences that he had. It fits together. Where do we see Yeshua in the Torah? Well, we do in, with Moses. 
in, in numbers. And where do we see Yeshua with Moses? Well, we see it here in the British Hadashah in the Gospel of Luke chapter 9. It's an amazing thing, the continuity and the connection of Torah and the Brita Hadashah. Let's keep going. Verse 34, while he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came from the cloud. You see God in the cloud. There's interesting um, interesting imagery. A voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Yeshua was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and they didn't tell anyone at that time what they had seen. They, they talked to themselves about it, these three. They didn't tell anybody else. You see, it was too wild. It was too unbelievable. How do you put this into words? How do you make that experience make sense to people? I don't think they could. They had to process it. They had to have additional experiences. They had to work things out, but they never denied that it happened. They kept that memory alive. And then at the right time, when they understood how to convey it, and when and the Holy Spirit said, now convey this in writing. They were able to use words to describe what they had experienced. They didn't explain everything. They didn't offer um, simplicity. They just stated what happened in ways that are provocative and meant to cause us to think and to feel and to reshape our understanding, our theology, our emotions, our way of thinking, that we would have the mind of God and learn how to think through such passages. It, to me, is great. It's one of the reasons why I love reading the scriptures. So we're going to close now. Let's pray. Lord, help us adjust our theology to your reality and let us hold on to some of the wild ideas that you teach us, Lord, through the Torah, through the scriptures, through the Brita Hadashah. Also, Lord, we want to thank you that, that tomorrow, the Sunday, is Father's Day and Juneteenth. We thank you, Lord, for the emancipation of slaves in America. We, we thank you, Lord, for the freedom that you want to give each one of us who who is uh, a citizen in this country and let it be that um the racial tension that Moses and his siblings experienced around Moses' wife and the racial tension and the ethnic tension in America that that we become instruments of calm and peace and well-being and mutual understanding that we can learn from the scriptures and from our past, even the ugly parts of our past, that we don't have to deny them or gloss them over, but we can face them together and we can use your wisdom, Lord, to do good for ourselves, for others, and for the future. We thank you, Lord, in the name of Yeshua. Let's also pray for the Korshans mothers. They are coming to America next week, refugees from the war in Ukraine. Lord, we thank you for their safety. We thank you for traveling mercies. And we pray, Lord, let this time of travel be filled with your grace in the name of Yeshua. Amen.
Well, in just a moment, we're going to be closing with Aaron's blessing, and then we'll have a final worship song with Eric Painter. But first, would you consider standing with us financially? If this live stream is a blessing to you, if our Messianic Jewish teachings podcast or our sanctuary services are a blessing to you, would you consider blessing our ministry? All the information you can find in one place on one webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving. So let's close now with Aaron's blessing. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha. Ye'er Adonai panavelecha v'chunecha yisa Adonai panavelecha v'yasemlecha shalom. May the Lord bless you and the, may the Lord keep watch over you, guard and protect you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. So from Sandy and me and the entire Beth Israel team, I want to thank you for joining us. 